0: You're watching Global BC.
1: This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening, and thanks for joining us. We'll get to those stories in a moment, but we begin with breaking developments in the search for a missing 59 year old woman in Lions Bay. A body has been discovered in the area where she was last seen. Our Catherine Urquhart is covering this for us. And Catherine, there were concerns for this woman because she had mobility issues and she wasn't prepared for an overnight in the cold.
2: Well, that's right, Chris. The coroner has just left the scene here behind me in Lions Bay, bringing a sad conclusion to this search. Search and rescue members from Lions Bay and other Metro Vancouver teams started looking Sunday for a missing 59 year old woman. Lorraine Prebushkowski had been staying with her sister in Lions Bay the petite woman described as having mobility issues.
3: We're just trying to assess that. Apparently she's uh, she's got an issue with her femur, so she's just, we're not expecting her to go uphill fast.
2: At first light, additional volunteers joined the search for the missing woman. They scoured the waterfront and went door to door. Then, Monday afternoon, a body is found
4: at Kelvin Grove Beach. At around 2 p.m. today, an off-duty RCMP officer uh, located what they thought to be uh, a body down on the water line. From there, uh, members went down to that location along with a, a couple other agencies to see if they could locate something. And they did locate uh, a body uh, down at the bottom. Right now, all indicators are leading to a matching description of uh, Ms. Pre-Bischowski. Um Final identification will be made by the B.C. Coroner Service. Police
2: aren't revealing a possible cause of death, but they do not believe it's suspicious. Now, because police don't believe this death is suspicious, they say that residents of Lions Bay do not need to be concerned about their safety. But certainly a very tough day here for many residents of the village of Lions Bay. Chris, back to you.
1: That's for sure. Thanks very much. Catherine Urquhart for us in Lions Bay tonight. An Abbotsford man imprisoned in China is now facing the death penalty. His sentence for drug smuggling upgraded after prosecutors deemed the punishment too light. It's a move some are linking to the arrest of a senior Huawei executive in Vancouver last month. Sarah McDonald has reaction to the ruling and what, if anything, could be done.
5: He already stood sentenced to a lengthy prison term in northeastern China when things took a dramatic downturn for Robert Lloyd Schellenberg. The Abbotsford native appearing disheveled and dejected as he was condemned to death by a panel of three judges Monday. The same court sentencing Schellenberg to 15 years behind bars on drug smuggling charges two months earlier.
6: It is of extreme concern to us as a government, as it should be to all our international friends and allies.
5: Canadian government officials and legal experts quick to condemn the move as yet another political power play by the dictatorship on the heels of the high-profile arrest of one of its own top executives. Meng Zhou detained in Vancouver in December at the behest of American officials. Do you
4: have anything to say?
5: China threatening harsh yet vague retaliatory measures as she remains under house arrest. And Schellenberg is just the latest Canadian caught up in escalating tensions between the two countries, his sentence heightening concerns for those others still detained. That includes former Canadian diplomat Michael Kovrig, detained last month on allegations of espionage and now denied diplomatic immunity by Chinese officials.
3: We still have have other BC people, where are they?
5: And the owners of a Richmond-based winery detained while traveling for business in 2016 over accusations of undervaluing their company's exports.
7: In Canada, we're used to separation between our court system, the judiciary, and the political executive,
3: not so in China.
5: The federal government updating its travel advisory to the country on Monday. As relatives of Schellenberg, who has served time in B.C. for drug-related offenses, call this latest development their worst fears confirmed, as they await word on an
7: appeal. It's the political masters in China that will control how long before
3: execution.
5: Legal experts concerned this Canadian, thought to be yet another political pawn, may not receive one at all. Sarah McDonald, Global News.
3: The
1: police watchdog is looking into a head-on crash that killed two people in Nanaimo overnight. It began just before 1 a.m. when an RCMP officer says he saw a white GMC pickup leaving a home in the Harewood area. When the officer attempted to stop the truck, the driver allegedly took off, heading southbound in the northbound lane of the Trans-Canada Highway. Eventually, RCMP came across a head-on collision between the same pickup truck and another vehicle in the northbound lane. Both drivers were pronounced dead at the scene. The IIO is now investigating to determine whether police actions or inactions are linked to the driver's deaths. Jurors in an historic cold case have a big job ahead. For a second full day in B.C. Supreme Court, they're getting instructions from the judge. Gary Handlin stands accused of first-degree murder in the death of 12-year-old Monica Jack back in the 1970s. And our Romina Dea has been in court for the judge's final instructions. Romina, the RCMP, Mr. Big Sting, is playing a big role in this case.
4: the epicenter of this case, must soon decide
5: or false.
8: I remember picking a broad up one time, having sex, and I just lost it for some reason. He's
4: working on it. Audio's dropping out. Monica Jack was only 12 years old when she was abducted, raped and killed near Merritt in 1978, according to Crown's evidence. Jack's remains were discovered 17 years later. Gary Hanlon has pleaded not guilty to first degree murder. He confessed to a fake undercover crime boss in 2014. There's no forensic evidence. Crown contends the confession was real and Hanlon came clean in order to avoid prosecution. Currently in the courtroom, right now, Monica Jack's family is in tears. They have waited four decades for this. Justice Cullen is expected to finish his charge to the jury tonight. After that, deliberations will commence. Chris.
1: All right, thanks very much, Romina. RCMP are warning the public about a flasher who exposed himself to a 10-year-old girl in Surrey. Police say it happened near Sullivan Heights Secondary School shortly before 4 o'clock last Thursday afternoon. RCMP received a report the girl was walking behind the secondary school when an unknown male grabbed her hoodie from behind, tossed her to the ground, and then exposed himself. The victim screamed and the suspect took off. He's described as Caucasian, possibly a teenager or in his early 20s, approximately 5 feet 2 to 5 feet 5 inches tall with a normal build. If you have any information or if you have some dash cam video in the area at around that time, you're asked to call Surrey RCMP or Crime Stoppers. ICBC is changing the way it handles injury settlements. Trial lawyers of BC tell Global News the corporation no longer negotiates, it'll make one offer. And if the injured party doesn't like it, they'll have to go to court. While ICBC explains the move is a way to keep costs lower, critics say it'll do the opposite. Richard Zussman explains.
7: Lawyer Scott Stanley is in the midst of a number of negotiations with ICBC for settlement claims for his clients. So it came as a shock this morning when the public insurer threw the brakes on current negotiations by putting in a lower than discussed settlement offer. It's one thing to have a
8: low payment thing. It's another thing altogether to negotiate and then all of a sudden want to stop and rethink things in the middle of a negotiation. You'd like to think you've actually thought about stuff before you started a negotiation.
7: It's a trend lawyers across the province are starting to notice. The BC Trial Lawyers Association calls them lowball offers.
8: Now ICBC is coming in at this late stage and changing the rules of the game and...
7: People will say, well, if the offer is not fair, I'm going to have to proceed to trial. And those trials can be very expensive. It's all part of the skyrocketing legal costs at ICBC. The insurer says the cost of closed litigated injury claims have gone up 20% in the last nine months. Last year alone, our injury claims costs were more than $3.5 billion. So we need to try and address those costs. The fact is we can't continue to keep paying out more and more every year for injury claims. The Trial Lawyers Association says they don't think ICBC is being honest in their numbers. But one thing's for sure, the public insurer is in serious financial trouble. ICBC lost a reported $1.3 billion last year and are forecasting more than $800 million in losses this year. Certainly if we don't think the demands that are being made are fair, we're going to be uh, putting in an offer that we think is fair and appropriate. And more changes are coming to the public insurer. On April 1st, ICBC is capping payouts on what they Describe as soft tissue injuries at $5,500. Richard Zussman, Global News.
1: Well, Keith Baldry is live in Victoria for us tonight to recap how many... And when drivers will be paying even more for insurance rates uh, going up pretty soon, Keith.
9: Yeah, get ready to hang on to your wallets, everybody, because it's not just uh, injury claims ICBC's worried about. They need money. They need to raise revenue, and that means your rates are going up and other changes as well. So here's a reminder of what's to come. On in April, of course, the basic rates are going to go up six point three percent, and followed by likely at least a ten percent, and if not more, increase to the optional side. In September is the real big news. The new rate structure takes effect. That will include a new $50 fee for additional drivers of your vehicle. So if your kids are learning to drive, it may cost you $50 bucks to sign up each of them to be able to, to drive that car under your insurance scheme. And finally, there's going to be a new rate. You can bank this one in April 2020. Another rate increase likely, probably in the same neighborhood of the one we're going to be hitting on April 1st. But Chris, the real big changes for everybody take effect in September. David Eby, the Attorney General, insists the vast majority of drivers will be actually see some uh, uh, rates go down. But it still leaves thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of drivers who will see their rates go up big time because they're not considered safe.
1: Hopefully those are just the bad ones. All right, Keith, thanks very much. An agreement between the RCMP and Wet'suwet'en First Nation has been reached, and both sides have settled on a plan moving forward. Last week, the RCMP moved in to remove one of two anti-pipeline blockades that were keeping coastal gas link workers away from the site. The second blockade was dismantled voluntarily late last week. And under the terms of the agreement formalized today, the blockade will stay down and Mounties will set up a temporary detachment in the area with the support of Wet'suwet'en hereditary elders. The detachment will provide safety in the area for all persons. Right now, though, controversy in Surrey tonight over plans to upgrade Bear Creek Park into an international stadium. While some sports groups are welcoming the idea, others wonder why this project has been greenlighted, while many other civic amenities have been shelved because the mayor says they're too expensive.
0: A typical Monday morning at Bear Creek Park. The track, full of people stretching their legs. According to the users, the facility is here in dire need of a facelift.
2: I feel like, yeah, I can use a little bit of tidying up. I'm for it. Sure, why not? I think that's a good idea. It's been like this for a while.
0: As part of promises made on the campaign trail, Doug McCallum said Bear Creek would get that facelift. It might look something like this one in Langley. 2,500 seats with a soccer pitch and a separate pedestrian walking track. While community centers and hockey arenas are getting shelved, the track's budget is already accounted for.
10: We wanted to make it a,
1: a world-class
0: stadium. In Cloverdale, where a new arena was shovel-ready and scrapped because it blew the budget, the community says this decision is nothing more than pork-barrel politics. A lot of the mayor's support comes from the Newton-Bear Creek neighbourhood.
11: Our project had already started, so um, stopping our project and starting another project just doesn't seem
3: a, a sensible thing to do. They all of a sudden discovered that they they got a real major problem with the soil building and that the, the cost would go up a lot
0: while users at Bear Creek Park say an upgrade is long overdue it shouldn't be at the expense of another project the track club says the city needs more amenities across the board
12: as long this spending a sum into a sport, so no matter it's an ice ranking or basketball academy or it's a, a track and field facility, it, it will be a, a, at least, I would say, a legacy.
0: There is no design for the new track yet, and the city still plans on asking senior levels of government for money to pay for some of it. It could well be years before the $700,000 in the budget is turned into new bleachers. Aaron MacArthur Global
1: News. Well, as you can tell in that report and others around the region, simply a spectacular stretch of weather in Metro Vancouver. Meteorologist Christy Gordon is up at Mount Seymour tonight. And Christy, today it would have felt like spring skiing there, but some fog rolled in causing problems.
13: That's right. Big inversion in place. 14 degrees up here, Chris, but lower down in that fog today. It only warmed up to 4 degrees. Now the fog advisory is still in effect and the reason is because we're seeing near zero visibility at times. It sort of comes and goes. It's all along the water's edge from Tawaston through Richmond and downtown Vancouver but it's much more extensive now that it's into the evening hours and we will see that overnight tonight and through the morning hours tomorrow. The good news Is tomorrow we're going to see stronger, drier outflow winds. That should help the fog situation and help push it back out to the Strait of Georgia. But in the meantime, right into the morning hours, expect that near zero visibility, which can come and go. And it can be tough to negotiate when you're on the roads. All of a sudden, it can just be uh, really tough to see. When I come back, Chris, we'll be talking about the temperatures. As I mentioned, the big inversion in place. We'll see whether we'll see that warmth down low tomorrow.
1: All right, we'll check in a little bit later. Thanks, Christy. The body of the second victim of an avalanche in B.C.'s Purcell Mountains has been recovered. A father and son were swept to their deaths on the weekend just south of Panorama. The body of 51-year-old Larry Berdiga was found under two meters of snow with an activated airbag around him. His 24-year-old son, Matt, was swept into a lake. His body recovered this afternoon. The two were with a group of nine snowmobilers on Mount Brewer in the Purcells. CPR was initiated at the
3: location by uh, the technicians and the individual, A 51-year-old Calgary male, was flown directly to the Invermere District Hospital where he unfortunately was pronounced deceased.
1: Triggered when one of the snowmobilers was doing a dangerous stunt called high marking, where a sledder tries to ride as far up a steep mountain slope as possible. The avalanche risk in that area was considerable at the time. New research by the University of Victoria has turned the conventional wisdom about the health of BC's bear population on its head. As Linda Aylesworth reports, they say when it comes to the main food source of grizzly and black bears, salmon, we should be focusing on variety rather than quantity.
10: Bears and spawning salmon are synonymous along the west coast of BC and there's a reason for that.
3: When we look at bear size, the number of cubs bears tend to produce, we can find close relationships to the amount of salmon those bears have consumed.
10: The University of Victoria, the Raincoast Conservation Foundation, and many Central Coast First Nations wanted to know more about that relationship and together launched a study looking at the total amount of salmon in a watershed. But there turned out to be more to it than that
3: we were really surprised to learn the most important factor is the diversity of species that return to these watersheds.
10: In other words, bears that feed at streams that have a run of only one species of salmon may only eat as long as that run lasts.
3: But another bear in a neighboring watershed that has a diverse portfolio of up to four salmon species, he or she might eat up to three times the amount of salmon in that year.
10: That's because different salmon species run at different times, so the buffet is open more often. They got this information by analyzing the bear's fur.
7: Basically, we set up a piece of barbed wire and, uh, with a sand pile on the middle, and those bears can walk in. And, uh, some of their fur gets caught on
3: the wire.
10: The fur was then sent to a lab for analysis.
3: What this does is give us chemical insight, a tracer that allows us to estimate what proportion of that hair is built from salmon in essence.
10: The findings prove that every salmon run, no matter what the species or how small, is important.
3: For far too long, managers have overinvested in the large commercially uh, important stocks and forgotten essentially about these smaller runs hopefully
7: we'll be able to influence the way fisheries decisions are made here they consider uh, salmon for bears and the diversity of salmon
10: linda Aylesworth, global news the honorable jody wilson Rabel, minister of veteran affairs and associate minister of national defense
1: a surprise move in today's federal cabinet shuffle has Prime Minister Justin Trudeau insisting a BC MP is not being demoted. Senior Cabinet Minister Jody Wilson-Raybould says she's proud of the work she did as Justice Minister and Attorney General, but she's now moving on to veterans' affairs. Trudeau insists that caring for Canada's veterans is an important job, and Wilson-Raybould at least publicly agrees. A last-ditch plea today from British Prime Minister Theresa May imploring British lawmakers to support her Brexit deal. Despite that, she's expected to lose tomorrow's vote. The only ways to guarantee we do not leave without a deal are
10: to abandon Brexit, betraying the vote of the British people, or to leave with a deal. And the only deal on the table is the one MPs will vote on
1: tomorrow night. If the deal is voted down, May could ask the EU for an extension of the March 29th deadline. The main opposition Labour Party is also threatening to table a motion of non-confidence in the Prime Minister. The turmoil adding to calls for a second Brexit referendum. As the government shutdown over his border wall drags on in the U.S., Donald Trump continues to be haunted by the Russian issue. The president's still dealing with the bombshell report. The U.S. law enforcement actually launched an investigation into whether he had been working with Russia against U.S. interests. Meantime, his nominee for attorney general is now reportedly supporting Robert Mueller's investigation.
12: President Trump's attorney general nominee William Barr says tonight it's important to let Robert Mueller complete his work, adding the country needs a credible resolution of these issues. Barr is also sure to get questions tomorrow about the revelation that the FBI opened a counterintelligence investigation of President Trump in 2017 after he fired FBI Director James Comey to see if the president was secretly working with Russia. One factor was his comment to Russian officials the next day that the firing took away great pressure because of Russia. Another was what he told Lester about firing Comey.
6: When I decided to just do it, I said to myself, I said, you know, this Russia thing with Trump and Russia is a made up story.
12: The FBI's action followed an internal debate, but overlapped with its investigation of possible obstruction of justice.
8: Whether it's a criminal investigation or a counterintelligence investigation, um, the FBI is going to be asking the same questions and seeking the same answers.
12: Mueller took over the investigation several days later, and nothing made public has ever said the president took direction from the Russians. Today, he said the investigation was started by FBI people who have been fired and were out to get him.
8: The people doing that investigation were people that have been caught that are known scoundrels. They're, in, I guess you could say, they're dirty
12: cops. As for Barr, he says it's important that Congress and the public are informed of the results of Mueller's investigation. Pete Williams, NBC News, Washington.
4: I was walking my dog, and we were almost home, and she was walking towards me, crying, saying, "You got to help me! You got to help me!"
13: And she said, "I am Jamie Kloss." Yes. She said, He killed my parents. I want to go home.
1: Help me. Dramatic audio of the 911 call made by the people who found 13 year old Jamie Kloss wandering a rural road in Wisconsin after she escaped the man who allegedly kidnapped her and killed her parents. And there are more chilling new details tonight, allegedly from the man accused of the crime. Prosecutors say 21 year old Jake Patterson confessed in graphic detail. Yes, sir.
14: 21-year-old Jake Patterson appeared in court in Barron, Wisconsin Monday afternoon to face charges of kidnapping 13-year-old Jamie Kloss and fatally shooting her parents. In a criminal complaint, Patterson says he staked out the Kloss house several times before the kidnapping. On October 15th, Patterson says he approached the Kloss home and shot James Kloss in the head through his front door. Patterson then entered the house to find Jamie and her mother hiding in the bathtub. Patterson says he taped Jamie's mouth, hands, and feet, and then shot her mother. Patterson says he forced Jamie to spend entire days hiding under his bed, even as he had people over to visit. He says he arranged storage bins and weights around the perimeter of the bed so she couldn't escape. But last Thursday, when Patterson was out of the house, Jamie was able to push away the weights and escaped outside where a neighbor found her and called 911.
13: Have you seen her photo, ma'am?
4: Yes,
14: it is her. I 100% think it is her. Patterson says he was out looking for Jamie when police pulled him over and arrested him. Hillary Lane, CBS News, New York.
1: Nearly three months after a Lion airplane crashed into the sea off Java, the Indonesian Navy has recovered the cockpit voice recorder. Officials say they used a high-tech ping locator and found the device buried under eight meters of mud. They also found the remains of some of the 189 victims. They're hoping the voice recorder will help determine why the nearly brand-new Boeing 737 went down minutes after takeoff. Duchess of Sussex Meghan Markle once again bucking royal protocol by giving out a little more information than usual about her pregnancy. The Duchess reportedly telling a well-wisher at this event in Birkenhead, near Liverpool, that she's six months along. Royals are traditionally very tight-lipped about pregnancy specifics, such as timeframes, due dates and genders. Markle has suggested her first child will arrive sometime in April, but says she and Prince Harry don't know the gender. In Health Matters tonight, another reason to make sure you get a good night's sleep. A Spanish study has found that people who get fewer than six hours per night have an increased risk of developing damaging plaque in their arteries. That increases the risk of cardiovascular disease and a number of other health problems, too. Previous research has shown poor sleep to be strongly associated with heart disease, but this is the first study to link the lack of sleep with the buildup of plaque in the arteries. A Hollywood star posts his drive online this morning through foggy Metro Vancouver. And after the forecast, the site that took his breath away and the same conditions that led to that fog led to spring skiing up at Mount Seymour. That's where Christy is right now with a look at our forecast. Christy.
13: Thanks, Chris. Yes, so this is the place to be, that's for sure. Classic winter ridge of high pressure creating an inversion. We hit 14 degrees up here on Mount Seymour, just spectacular conditions, whereas lower down, quite a variability in terms of the temperature because of that fog. Have a look at these numbers along the water's edge, only hitting four degrees, five degrees where that fog is, whereas away from the water in Abbotsford, uh, 11 degrees hitting double digits, and yes, definitely cold, along the water's edge in that fog. And we saw also a fog rainbow. Beautiful. The sun actually refracts off of the moisture in the fog. Great shot. Thanks to Sharon for that one. And you can see in the interior, it didn't warm much at all. Kamloops, Kelowna only at minus one today, and that's because of the valley cloud there as well. You can see with this shot from Silver Star showing up above it. Yes, everyone, hit the slopes. These are the type of conditions where you want to get out there because it is warm and in it is sunny. There's your forecast for tomorrow with sunshine and we will see more cloud across the south coast again tomorrow with the valley cloud. Highs of only minus two, warming up a little bit tomorrow. We're going to see more outflow so not as much fog tomorrow but keep in mind tonight right through the morning hours for your commute you may see that fog in the morning and that certainly reduces visibility. No rain in the forecast until Thursday. Uh, I would like to introduce you to Simon Whitehead, he is manager of uh, marketing up here at Mount Seymour and uh, what a sensational stretch of weather we've had.
12: Oh, we've had a great run, just in beautiful conditions. It's been um, spring skiing in January, which is a real treat.
13: Great for all the families to come up. Oh,
12: it's fantastic. It's lovely soft snow, so it's great to learn on and the sunshine is just magnificent.
13: How is this compared to your season so far?
12: We have had a really good season and we had an average opening on December 14th and um, after that we had lots of snow and we had a great Christmas.
13: Take that, El Nino.
12: (laughs) Yeah, it's a weak El Nino, but it hasn't stopped us.
13: (laughs) That's exactly right. You know, it's perfect. Weak El Ninos, you don't get the snow lower down. You just get it in the mountains. So That's great. You said you had a record-breaking conditions over over Christmas.
12: Yeah, we had a record-breaking Christmas. We had um, just a record number of people. Um, Everyone had a great time. We had everything open, and we had just really nice conditions underfoot.
13: Now, you've got a little guy at home that you want to say hi to because we kept you out later than you normally would. Say hi to Bryn for you. Hi, Bryn. Hi, Bryn. Sorry that we kept Dad, uh up here, but we're sending him home now. All right, Chris, back to you. <laughs>
1: All right. Thanks very much to both of you, Christy. Well, the foggy sunrise over Metro Vancouver was worth sharing for Hollywood star Jason Momoa. The Equaman star documenting his drive through the lower mainland fog and posting it on Instagram Momoa and his driver were crossing the Pitt River Bridge before seeing something that really took their breath away. Oh my god.
0: That's beautiful. I've
12: never
1: seen it like that. I've never ever seen anything like that. Momoa and his driver clearly amazed by the morning sun growing above the fog, crowning above the fog there. Momoa has been spotted many times in the area recently filming a multi-part series for Apple TV. Can't be beautiful. That, That early.
6: I don't know. Does it look good on Aquaman to be using a bridge?
1: (laughs) Oh, that's a very good point. You'll see more of that on Super Bowl Sunday. Maroon 5 has been announced as the headliner for this year's Super Bowl halftime show. Big Boy and Travis Scott have also been confirmed for the gig. Now, many big name acts have reportedly turned down the halftime show in support of NFL players who protest during the national anthem against racial injustice. In fact, an online petition is urging Maroon 5 to join the movement and pull out of the show. Super Bowl 53 goes down February 3rd in Atlanta. We found out on the weekend who's going to be playing in it.
6: We'll talk about that in a moment, Mm -hmm. because once again, the Patriots are in the Final Four, which they, it's just like an automatic, it's like Alabama in the NCAA championship. They're just always there. But first, last night, uh, Florida's visit to Rogers Arena brought out a lot of love. For Roberto Luongo, we'll talk about that in a moment, and a lot of hate for Mike Matheson, the Panther who did the WWE body slam on Elias Pedersen early in the season, which caused the concussion. When it happened, we all remember no Canuck came forward. Nobody got in Matheson's face to let him know that you got to keep your hands off the good merchandise. They said, the players said that night, they never saw the incident. Mind you, they do have iPads on the bench, so mm-hmm. okay. Whatever the case, last night they did try to get after Matheson, but he wasn't interested in dropping the gloves. In fact, one of his teammates, Michael Haley, had to take the punches for him from Eric Goodbranson. But just the fact that Canucks got in Matheson's face, to some of them, galvanized the team.
9: You guys challenged him. He didn't want any part of it. I, mean, um, I think we have some pretty tough guys in this room. So, um, yeah, but uh, I think the best way to, uh, to get back at him is get the two points and get the win here tonight for Petey. Like Goody answered the bell and and challenged them and and did a heck of a job. And I mean, the fans respect it, we respect it in the room, and um, it was huge for our team. That's what got us going.
6: Okay, that was the hate part. Now let's feel the love because Luongo felt it. Not from his team. His team were like beer leaguers struggling with basic motor skills in front of him. But it did force Luongo to make some nice saves off the Canucks, and the Canuck fans appreciated it. Because it reminded them of what he used to do for Vancouver back in the good old days. There was also a feeling in the house, as we said earlier, that this might be his final game in Vancouver. That he might retire after this season. He hasn't said he's going to retire. He hasn't thought about quitting. But he did appreciate the extra warmth from Rogers Arena.
4: It's always nice to come back here and um, you know, the fans are great. So. Um... It's always special for me to, to come back here. Uh, you know, spent eight years here, so uh, it'll always hold a you know special place in my heart.
6: Alfonso Davies finally got to play a game with uh, Bayern Munich on the weekend, although it was a sub in a friendly four-team one-day tournament where the games only last about 45 minutes. But in that short time frame, Bayern Munich liked what they saw, and Davies could see action when Bundesliga play resumes after its winter break this Friday when Munich
9: faces Hoffenheim.
0: Oh,
6: tricky. Didn't quite get the shot away. But Bayern Munich won what's called the Telecom Cup and he got the a trophy. So there you go. They like him already. He gets the a trophy. The NFL's Final Four is set. It's the matchups a lot of people wanted to see. In the NFC, Rams and Saints, AFC... The Chiefs against Tom Brady and the Patriots, who, believe it or not, will be going to their eighth straight AFC championship game. And for Brady in his career, it'll be AFC championship number 13, a stat that is not lost on Kansas City, which is the home team in this game and the slight favorite.
1: Uh, they've been, this isn't their first rodeo here. So they've, they've done this a few times. And, um, and arguably,
6: uh, if not the one of the greatest dynasties, in the history of uh, of the game the biggest day for ubc hockey is coming up friday when they pack the arena with students from today and students from yesterday and players from yesterday it's a tradition that has made the winter classic at ubc the day everyone looks forward to
3: three on two the former victoria royal throws it across tip in, they score
9: in the midst of a playoff push every game for the ubc men's hockey team from here on out is important But the big game is this Friday's 5th annual Winter
8: Classic. That one's in, no mistake. Well, the the entire school is jacked up. Um, It's been on their calendar from the beginning of the year. Uh, Students talk. You know, we got all the Instagram videos from last year. So uh, somebody told me that it's already half sold out. The Winter Classic is the one time during the season
9: where it seems everyone on campus turns out to watch hockey. Thanks to an all-out marketing blitz by the university, the game has become a regular sellout. It's a major step up for a hockey team that for the most part plays in front of a couple hundred friends and family,
8: game in and game out. It's 5,500 and it's loud. It's all students and they're having a great time up there and they're banging on the glass and... Um, for a lot of the UBC students, like this might be one of their first hockey games too because uh, you know they're coming from all over the world, so it's a real cool atmosphere. It's loud, it's electric. Uh, for me as a coach, it kind of takes me back to the, my pro days when you have to yell just to talk to the guy beside you and it, it gets everybody going.
11: Here's Jarrett Smith, top of the circle towards the net, scores!
9: The challenge is maintaining that momentum both on the ice and in the stands. Because year in and year out, the brand of hockey has gotten better. Now the game just needs the attendance to catch up to it.
8: It's very good. It's very underrated, um, below the radar. Um, But once you come, you're blown away. So uh, I'm sure that would be the average
1: experience.
6: Waiting on the Canadians tonight at the Australian Open.
1: Yeah. Late games, hey, with the time... Difference? Are you staying? I know it's
6: late? down under. Yeah.
13: Here's your snow report for today. Big upper-level ridge across southern BC, so not much new snow, but it's sunny and warm in the Alpine. Grouse and Cypress hit 14 degrees today. Revelstoke, Fernie, Manning Park and Whitewater, not much new snow, but also enjoying that sunshine, as did Big White, Silver Star and Sun Peaks, with four degrees in the sunshine in the Alpine. Kicking Horse, Mount Washington, zero centimeters fresh snow, one centimeter fresh in Powder King, and Mount Washington hit 12 degrees today. Coming up on ET Canada, we talk to the winners at the Critics' Choice Awards, plus Kim's convenience makes you laugh, and Kate Hudson gets you fit. All of that is coming up at 7, right after the news hour, but for now, it's back to you, Chris.
1: All right, thanks very much, Cheryl. The biggest auto show in North America getting underway today, and at least one way, it's the end of an era. Yes, there are the usual flashy big reveals of new vehicles, but there are actually fewer than half as many as last year. Many automakers unveiling their new models, where else? Online. And speaking of which, technology and connectivity have become just as important as horsepower for most manufacturers. Among all the cars is a company marketing personal flyable drones. They plan to sell them for about a quarter of a million dollars, The biggest change will be to the show itself. It's moving to June next year, and many of the exhibits will be interactive and outdoors. Maybe more drones to show off.
6: If people start flying those drones around, I am moving to the first floor. I do not (laughs) want to be high up anymore. You
1: don't want to be high up. Um, There's another auto show in November. This is the SEMA Auto Show, and it's for car customizers and aftermarket stuff. And a local guy did very, very well at that show.
6: Yes, a man named Rod Nielsen, whom... When he went to school, wanted to be a chef, then he thought, you know what? I'd rather cook up cool cars. (laughs) Okay, Rod, what are you sitting in? I am sitting in my 1972 Mazda R100. Well, technically that's true, but 1972 never looked like this. Rod Nielsen has given this Mazda a 21st century makeover. What in this car is left from 1972? The basic shell of the car, the doors,
11: the trunk lid, and parts of the front fenders.
6: The rest was automotive
11: imagination. When you build something that's so obscure as an R100, you pretty much have to make everything.
6: And here's something even more remarkable than the car. You've taken how many courses to do this? Zero. This is all learned by you? It just came, comes
11: out of my head. Taught myself to weld, to bodywork, to fabricate, design. Just for some reason I can do it, I don't know.
6: And if he's not inventing new parts on the fly, he's going all Dr. Frankenstein and combining cars, like this 1965 Chevy Impala, which has a high-end sports car engine.
11: Yes, it has a turbocharged 4.2 liter Maserati motor. It's hand-built in the Ferrari plant, and uh, they're super, super nice piece. And so we just decided we would do that, and we would make our own kit
6: to marry the two pieces together rod has done countless redesigns on cars and trucks but the 72 mazda we showed you at the start is the one that got him noticed by the car world the winner
11: of the sport compact
6: division was rod
11: nielsen and his 1972 mazda r100 it's won its class or won the entire event at all the shows it's been to but it's not just for show it has gear in it right now to go, it could go 230, 240 miles an hour if the aerodynamics are there. Um, it hits 140, 150 miles an hour very easily. 1972,
6: never looks so good.
1: That is awesome.
6: <laughs>
1: uh, he'll cool take stuff. it out
6: in the track, that one's not will. for sale. Yeah.
1: Uh, I want to see the GoPro. Uh, from that. All right, let's check in one last time with Christy, who's up in the balmy air way up above us there at Mount Seymour. (laughs) Christy?
13: Not quite as balmy right now, Chris. About Mm -hmm. three degrees, but that should be about it for a low overnight. Much colder, lower down, minus one potentially with that fog. But I tell you, it's pretty nice up here. Great for families. Open till 10 every night. All right, back to you.
1: Nice. All right. We know you have a short commute home over there in uh, North Van. Thanks very much. Thanks for watching. Uh, We'll see you back here tomorrow.